field, people will come. And it doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. Welcome to White Sox Business, a podcast about Chicago's Southside baseball team, hosted by me, John Greenberg, and our playoff correspondent, James Fegan. Subscribe to White Sox Business on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check out James's and my work on The Athletic as well. We have a $1 monthly promotion. Check it out at theathletic.com forward slash Southside. James, the White Sox are in the postseason as the seventh seed. Legally true. Legally true. You, uh, you know, Hannah from the White Sox, who's very nice, was, was sending me messages yesterday about, you know, what games I was going to go to and what games I was going to go to the Cubs so she could make sure, you know, to get everyone in there. Um, and then I, she emailed me back. That's what she gets for planning ahead. So, uh, the White Sox are going to Oakland. Uh, you are driving a bus with Scott Merkin, Scott Gregor and the gang, right? Gregor, huh? That's yeah. Gregor would be fun. He's good. The traveling budget's expanding all over the place. Right. He's a fun, he's a good road trip, dude. Uh, but no, so I hear (laughs) you will be, uh, watching from home. Um, Enjoying some White Sox baseball on uh, in your home office. Uh, what about this meltdown, man? Uh, what what did you take from it? What does it mean now that the season restarts? Theoretically, it shouldn't mean anything, right? Um, like the fact that Tim Anderson went three thir- for thirty three over the past uh, you know eight games, like that's something. But the type of player he is, he could snap out of quickly. Um, they they had their they they were pitching most of the final week, saving Giolito and Keuchel for the, these two games. Um, Luis Robert had three hits in the final game. Maybe he's back. Uh, all that type of stuff. Uh, Renneria said they they had they fought till the end, and you saw them rally. They scored eight runs in their final game, so the offense is thus awake. All, all this positive stuff, but. I, I, it's hard to like sweep your mind entirely away from the fact that if they hadn't gotten blown out by the Cubs post clinch post hotel hangover lineup, they could have won the division. Like they literally, um, you know, if they keep that rally going, the Twins lost. They had the tiebreaker. If they if they don't just like lay a total egg against a very like not great Cubs team, the Twins like lost two out of three to the Reds. Like they everything was cleared. You know, beyond even the collapse in Cleveland, for them to just do the bare minimum to to kind of waltz into a very favorable playoff seating against a matchup against some team that stinks, and uh, they didn't do it. And they haven't really done much well over the past week and a half. So momentum is nothing. They could blast it away, but they certainly set off every indicator light uh, on their way out uh, to make you... Um, just not enter this with a whole lot of optimism. It is a good matchup for them. Um, they, they, the A's are very lefty heavy and they're, um, they're pitching accoutrement. And uh, there's got to be some, uh, you know, six year old scouting report on Chris Bassett that they can drop off, uh, they can dust off and, <laughs> and put to use. But they, they look very much like a, a team we'll talk about, like, oh, there's good starting pieces here for them to build on in the offseason if they choose to do it. But uh, there's clear holes. I feel like are going to hold them back from any kind of serious run. Defensive uh, designated hitter and right field are offensive positions, and uh, they have really bad hitters there right now. <laughs> and we do. I, I think you know we're taping this uh, on Monday, and we don't know quite yet uh, Eloy Eloy's uh, 
status with his foot, right? They're going to test it out today. Uh, yeah, that's true. But Eloy, um, he did post on Instagram, like, let's do it big. Thanks, God. Um, so I, I, I think that means his foot is fine. Um, okay. That, well, that, God that, came through. That, that's Instagram translate. My, my better, my bigger conspiracy theory is that, uh, you know, by God, is that Larry Garcia's music? Uh, because they, they basically said that he's was getting tested out on Sunday and that he's been swinging the bat and they could slide him in and that would be, you know, better than Nomar Mazzara. Uh, you know, but if he then comes in and uh, gives you confidence and defense in right field, um, I don't know. Why, why did Nomar Mazzara bat against the lefty with the division on the line uh, for the final out of the season? One might think of that for a while uh, afterwards, but uh, maybe not. Yeah, Ricky, uh, you know, we talk about it a lot on the podcast. Ricky's uh, Q rating has uh, gone down significantly <laughs> amongst White Sox fans in recent times. Yeah, gotten less. Got, got, I mean, those fans have, you know, hated him since pretty much 2018. Um, he had that really good Sox Fest convention where he talked about how he wasn't going to meddle uh, with the offense too much. And everyone just, you know, knowing that they're trading the team down to the studs uh in 2017 probably gave him a pass and talked about how fun the team was having and uh how he kind of guided tim anderson through an awful stretch and you know the fact that jose Abreu and avis hill garcia had been i'm recapping too much of 2017 right now but he, he had optimism going off of that ever since then they've been kind of nitpicking every single thing he did and um sure he's given them material um but i i believe that more or less no one would have really scoffed at the idea of him getting manager of the year votes up until the final uh two weeks of the season just because you know yeah you, you don't love every strategic move he, he makes uh, and he was sticking with a lot of guys that were struggling but the results were there but the fact that the final two weeks went as they went you know he seemed to have moves that totally blew up in key situations and we've transitioned out of the point of he's trying to get Edwin and Encarnacion and Nomar Mazar going towards it's the end of the season and he's just kind of sticking with them uh hell or high water uh I think it raises more questions Obviously, I, I think Granary is fine if you just give him the the options to win with, where all his choices are obvious. If Aaron Bummer is healthy and whatnot, he probably doesn't tool around too much in the bullpen. And if you have him a lineup where multiple pieces don't fall apart, he probably won't stick with the bad ones. But yeah, that's where we're at. Well, I mean, his uh, you know the start was never great because he was the guy fired from the Cubs to hire a manager to take them to the playoffs. So it's not like the best way for a guy to be introduced to a fan base, be like, Oh yeah, you know, the other team in town that you guys all hate, um, they fired him so they could go to the, so they could win a world series. So, uh, here's Ricky. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, when you do get rid of the manager, people want to be like, all right, cleaning house, new era, new agenda, new way of doing things. We are promoting the bench coach. Like that's, <laughs> he's been here for a year. Right. <laughs> Not great. Uh, that was, a, was such an interesting decision by them. They make such – you could really – someone should do like uh, – you know, it's funny. For a story, I'm, I'm talking to Carlos Quinton um, who's getting his MBA right now um, in California. Because he never could really, got the MVP that he was denied. Exactly. So, exactly. It's a second, the second tier. Uh, what if like right before he has to turn in his final presentation, he like punches his laptop and he loses – he loses his, his like whatever his thesis. Um, That'd be fitting. No, it would Punching be his academic advisor is more likely to really lose. <laughs> <his thesis. laughs> he uh, he 
Yeah, I think an MBA project would be like the White Sox's like hiring practices, right? Because <laughs> they're never, you know, even with, like the Aussie one was kind of funny because they didn't think they were going to take him and he just kind of wowed him in an interview. And then they decided to go with Robin Ventura, who had never coached or managed anything just because he played with Ozzy, apparently. Um, and he was quieter. And then they go to, they go to, uh, Renneria after one season of being a bench coach on a bad team, like a disastrous team. Right. Uh, all time bad clubhouse. All time bad clubhouse, all time like <laughs> terrible. You're right. You think you'd want to burn the place down. So they, they make some interesting choices. Um, but now the, the Sox fans are like have Stockholm syndrome where they think that bringing Ozzy back would be the new wave or all the people who are tweeting at me after they won on Saturday because Renneru is suspended saying like, oh, Joe McEwing should manage this team. It's like, why do you think the decision making was like radically altered? Like, you think they, like because Ricky was suspended, he went up to the suite to watch the game and then Joe like gathered the team around like, all right, now here's how we're doing things like that's, right. not, that's not how this works. Um, it, it reminds me of a story when, um, I think it was Renee Latchman, Renee or Marcel, one of them, one of the Latchmans who was like the interim manager for the Cubs for one game. And this is, you know, after whoever was fired and he, he said, he sat down at his post game was like, all right, this is how I do things. Like, I'm going to give an opening statement. And then you guys ask questions. Someone's like, this is how you do things. This is like one game. What are you talking about? <laughs> I always think about that. But, uh. Yeah, I don't know. The Renteria stuff, I, I don't – I'm a big Aussie guy. I think Aussie should get a, a shot managing somewhere. I, I don't see the point of bringing him back. I've just kind of gotten out of that. And that's the columnist's best friend is to say to bring a guy back that was successful before. But I think – And quotable. It, right, and is like um, – yeah, eminently quotable. I have his number. Like it, it's perfect. But it just move on, man. You know, sometimes you just got to move on. That's like a – you know, everyone wants to bring the past back. It's just like, no, the Bulls don't need to bring Derrick Rose back. They don't need Joakim Noah back. Just like, move on. Just just change things up and like th- things will be better. But I mean, it would probably be better for Ozzy to go somewhere where there's not the baggage and whatnot. Yeah, but you know what, though? Here's the problem with that. People don't get Ozzy other places. You know what I mean? And in terms of media and how what he says is presented, I think we saw that in Miami. Um, I think the fact that people understand Ozzy and can kind of, you know, translate him a little bit. Like when he, what he says and like what he means, you know, I think, do we have, we made excuses for him? Sure. But, you know, I, I think an unfamiliar place would be less likely to get him unless, listen, obviously a manager just needs to be successful. The team's got to be good. And Ozzy has said that more than anyone that, uh, you know, if you have a, a horseshit team, you have a horseshit manager. So, I would like. I would think though, like if he if he got a chance with a good team, you know, he could take off and like a fan base would really enjoy it. The New York Mets are ready for Ozzy again. That would be incredible. <laughs> See, New York would be perfect for him because he would just be on the tabloids every day. They would love it. The Mets would be in the news. Uh, maybe Sandy Alderson has a secret like affection for him. Only one way to tell. Shoot your shot, James. Let's pause for a moment, and then we'll be back with the rest of the show. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Oakland Athletics. This is such a weird postseason because like how many A's games have the average has the average White Sox fan watched this season? How many have you watched, James? Um, like a couple times when like um you know, it's just what like what's on MLT TV. Uh, right, they just played the Dodgers I'm, the other day. I'm bored at night, stuff like that. I saw them beat the Astros and whatnot. Right, so it's just it's kind of a weird, you know, it's a weird thing for everyone. Just you know, some people say it's it's almost like the old World Series when you know before interleague play when the NAL team would face an NL team for the first time, but it's everyone in the AL is facing each other. You know, um, so what's your scouting report on the A's besides that they seem loaded with former White Sox prospects? Right, their best pitcher is Chris Bassett right now. Um, I mean, it's kind of some. It a lot of you kind of look at the A's and wonder like, what's really gone right this season? Like they lost Matt Chapman, who's arguably their best player. Uh, Simeon had like an extremely cold start that he's only sort of started to come out with. Matt Olson really hasn't had the year that he wanted. Uh, old friend Frankie Montas, you know, started the year House of Fire and now is, is, is scuffling and probably is going to be working in relief, uh, or he could have some impact. Um, but like. Ramon Laureano uh, hasn't really been the same since he fought the entire Astros dugout offensively. Um, it, it's kind of it's kind of a weird group. Chris Davis is pretty much uh, you know washed up. Uh, they're they're just a uh, they got a lot of depth. They're a really solid organization, but I can't like put my finger on a you know this guy is just kicking ass and that's why they're, they're so good. It's really their bullpen has been lights out. Um, like Liam Hendricks is just insane and. Um, you know, I, I I definitely think if the White Sox like at some point, like I don't know if it was yesterday or it was Saturday, they scored for like the first time in the first two innings in maybe like two weeks. And I just been noticing they've had slow starts uh, in the game, even when like would they would break through or like get those leads in Cleveland, it would be something that they wouldn't have until late. So if they have anything like the slow starts or, or kind of you know where they can't really bust out of a their strikeout or home run offense in the first couple of trips to the batting order, uh, they're going to lose in Oakland because that, that bullpen is pretty much wipe out, uh, you know, score in the first five innings of your toast type of group. Uh, Frankie Montaz, he didn't, who did how, Frankie bounced around, but a Bassett and Simeon went in the Samarja deal, right? Yeah. Frankie was, he was traded the Dodgers in the, uh, right. Frazier deal. And, <laughs> Frazier. uh, then the Dodgers eventually traded him to the A's for, you know, some other, Somebody they probably turned into Cy Young or something like that, but yeah, he, Frank Frankie was not a direct to Oakland injection. Uh, that's great that the Samarja deal is still paying off for the A's. Um, I think the A's they still have a JB Wendelkin was part of the Avi deal as well, um, and they sent him elsewhere in a. He's a former Sox farmhand, and he's with the A's somehow. That, uh, that's all my point. I, I know no other facts about J.B. Winslow other than that. But yeah, there, there's a lot of Sox guys in there. I spent like when I when you when I went to uh, Oakland last July, I spent like three days meandering around the Oakland clubhouse, just talking to former Sox guys, and so that's basically my familiarity <laughs> with the team. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to just see Andrew Vaughn uh, hitting in the the Oakland batting cage. You know, if he wasn't in the bubble in the White Sox player pool. Uh, just because he's constantly talking to, you know, so many Oakland guys from just being going to Cal and being from around there. Uh, he was like good friends with uh, Marcus Simeon and whatnot. 
um, yeah, the, the, it's it's a weird uh, pipeline they have going on. Right, isn't that what that road trip? Then you went to see uh, you went to Cal, right, to talk to Vaughn's coaches. Uh, I just talked to him over the phone. Oh, I, okay. I, I thought I you definitely. Went- I thought about driving out there, but they were just like, we're not going to be there. Uh, let's, let's. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought you were doing like a whole tour of that trip. That was the plan, but they were like, that was the plan. Yeah. Well, it's a weekend. I'm not going to work I'll yeah, talk to yeah. You on the phone, yeah. but, but no. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Can you, can this White Sox team flip the switch though? Do you think? I mean, why not? We talk about um, flipping the switch, right? They got really good starting first two starters they could easily just shut down oakland the first two games and be out of there um it's right. traditionally not gone that nothing's gone right in that stadium for them much in the last 15 years uh traditionally a house of horrors but um they have they haven't gotten any look at giolito to time up his changeup or anything like that keichel's been outstanding and and looked healthy his last time out um if luis robert is any kind of uh rhythm at all um that that thickens out their lineup so much um if Eloy really, I think Eloy will play. I think he should DH because your DH situations are already garbage, and it's he's not adding much in left. He's not. He's not adding much in left. If you have Lurie um, and Adam Engel, just make sure you catch everything in that huge outfield and and, and get some of the offense that you have out of it. And yeah, I, I think it's definitely within the realm of possibility. This is such a you know we talk about it being a boom or bust offense with home runs. You know, boom's part of it. So if with a, a three-game series and, you know, with a five-game series after that, just they just need a couple outbursts of home runs, which they have shown uh, a couple times this season, and, and they'd be fine. I'm really not as doom and gloom on Dane Dunning after that one bad start uh, as everyone else. I think they can go at least three deep uh, with decent starts, and, you know, knowing that your top two guys are reliable for six innings, uh, kind of bullpen your way through Dunning and, and really be competitive in a three-game set. Beyond that is where you really see the issues and the fatigue going in. But, you know, I'd feel good about what they have for pitching death, uh, at least in this format. Um, it's just that who knows? Well, right. It's just, yeah, the, the Cubs series didn't do much to engender much uh, confidence. You know, yesterday's comeback, uh, <laughs> failed comeback aside when literally everyone stopped paying attention. And people all of a sudden on Twitter, you're like, you look at it and you're like, wait, the it's, it's a game now? Yeah, most of the national guys are like, "Oh, this game's not over. We can't." Uh, we, I, I mean, <laughs> no, nothing spoke to more the the, the where they were at that that <laughs> Ryan McGuffey was saying that they're officially the seventh seed in the middle of the I eighth looked at inning. That, I was, <laughs> right, I wasn't paying attention. I'm like, "Wow, it's official," and then I'm like, "Wait, it's not official. You can't write official if it's not the game's not over." <laughs> it's like if they've lost Guff. Oh boy, right. <laughs> I really, I was really uh, hoping to catch you know home games on both sides of town this week. That would have been it's fun. a bummer. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I wonder. It's got to be a killer for the the business of the all the bars that closed down on uh thirty third. They've clo- I mean closed the street down. Yeah, do I mean? I guess don't the White Sox I guess save money in the sense because they don't have to bring people into the park to oh, watch yeah, over us media doofs. hundred uh, percent. They save all the all the cleaning crew. Right. And that's probably, you know, a decent amount of money to do all that sanitizing. You know, I assume cleaning crews, whoever they've hired, are upcharging, you know, pretty significantly. So yeah, Sox save some money. Um, you know, good for them. Go into the free agent budget. Uh yeah, it does it does nothing for that. I mean, I guess the only thing it does better 
and this isn't really a consideration, obviously, is it's, you know, it's a better, it's a better product. Well, no, I guess they don't, it would be only a better product for radio because they won't, they don't do TV. I'm kind like, of surprised they don't. Exposure for your signage? They get anything off of that? Yeah, I guess. What's yeah, going to get them George so. Springer? <laughs> right, right. That's exactly that. The Ford, Ford's really going to pay them a lot more money or Chevy or whoever has that, uh, that outfield sign. Um, Kia, the Hooters, uh, the Hooters, the no, Hooters Kia's backstop signs. Right. The Hooters backstop signs are really going to get them a lot of money. Um, I think it's kind of weird they don't do, not weird, but like, I get it makes sense because they're only doing this national. It makes perfect sense. They're doing the wild card round, this, this whole crazy thing just for TV money. Cause I yeah. was thinking like, you know, other sports in the first rounds, they'll be on local and then they move to national after that. But this is obviously, this is literally a shameless ploy to try to get whatever TV money they can get for putting White Sox A's games on at two o'clock. Why do they not let, I mean, I guess it's the exclusivity, but like, you know how the Bulls in the first round of their playoffs would get to have the, like their hometown announcers. Right. You'd, you'd get to listen to like uh, Johnny Red Kerr lose his mind over Michael Jordan, you know, setting the Wizards ablaze. Why, why, why can't they get that kind of feel? Why does this have to be the swan song for? for well, that's Steve just Stone what I'm saying. It's, yeah, right. Like why they couldn't let him do it on national TV. Um, I don't know. I mean, like the other ones, they do it local because they just don't have the room, you know, to, to put all these games on in the first rounds. That's why they don't. That's why they let the locals do it the first round. It's kind of just like get it over with. And then they go to a national schedule. In this case, they're literally carving out the time, you know, to put these games on in the afternoon. Like, you know, if, if the White Sox Rays do bad ratings because it's on at two o'clock in the afternoon or like all the all the like right wing TV ratings people are going to say it's because uh, the White Sox protested too much. I think it would be because the <laughs> it was noon local time for Oakland. I, I know. It's just so funny. That people are going to talk. People are going to talk about the ratings for the first round, like like they mean something, and like what it means for baseball. Even though yeah. it's like on the middle of the afternoon, <laughs> no one knows what channel. Uh, the ratings analysis is worse about sample size than even we are. It, ratings analysis is legitimately the worst thing because all TV ratings are for for advertise rate advertising rates. It doesn't like like. I always talk about this with radio because the radio people try to get me to tell their ratings, but it's like the radio ratings are done for like people that are, you know, 25 to 54 or 18 to 49. And they only really measure men because that's sports radio. That's why there's only like male enhancement commercials and like manscape stuff. Um, don't know anything about that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we don't do any of that stuff. Um, and it's funny because then like, so they'll talk about the ratings, but like the number of people that have these Nielsen PPM units, like how many are men like in that demographic, like 12 <laughs> and, they, and they determine like if someone's good or not, like someone was saying, you know, Layla Rahimi's trying out for the like, scores open spot in the afternoon. And someone said to me, they're like, yeah, it's like if two people are listening to her and like it, then, then she'll get the job. <laughs> that's great. It's good. Good. Uh, good uh, system. I'm glad we can prop that industry. up. Right, great industry. Same with television. That's why it's like so stupid to like get into it. Um, but yeah, it's gonna. It's it's disappointing that the, the only one thing I'll say about them not being home is even if you can't go to the games, there would be uh, I think maybe a little more energy around the city sure. because one, they're, yeah, they're higher seed. You know, you know they're playing here. You can see that you know the, the ballpark lit up. It just feels a little different. 
it feels now with them being in Oakland, playing it like you said in the middle of the afternoon, it just doesn't feel as important, which stinks because that's like the whole point of the season. And you know, happen, the White Sox having this kind of breakout season at this point is that while fans are enjoying it, they don't get to really enjoy it, and that's a, it. Stinks for them. Yeah, there's definitely this anxiety that they're just going to lose a couple day games while you're at work, and they're this whole season will be over without with in a, in a blink of an eye or. Um, at least that's how it was expressed to me by oh, my lovely Twitter followers. <laughs> how are the, how is the Twitter, how is the vegan gang? Um, seemingly in, not reading things in good faith a lot <laughs> these days. Um, definitely, definitely a lot of, uh, Jimmy Cordero centered angst, um, that I, that I feel is probably overweighted at this point in time, but, uh, Jimmy it, it it, d- when you it see does him remind every day. me. Uh, it it does remind like when I, the White Sox made the playoffs in two thousand. Uh, they played a bunch of day games against the Mariners and got swept. And I remember all those games started like twelve or one. Uh, to the point where I was thirteen year old James Fegan could not get home on time to see any of them. Where I'd come in and see them like it, uh, you know, blanked in the ninth inning by Kazuhiro Sasaki, and that was the end of the game because the, <laughs> the Mariners were just. Uh, throwing a pitching clinic on them. So I, I get where that anxiety comes from. You know, they don't have those game stories framed in the press box. They only have when the White Sox clinched in 2000 uh, yeah. framed on the wall, which was also via loss, uh, like, like the Cubs. Right. It's fine. I, it's every time I go there, it's like, I've been reading the same stories on the wall <laughs> for so long. I was thinking that the other day when I went to the game, like, God, I've been walking by this picture of Tadahito Gucci for almost half my life in the Beatles outfit. Well, yeah, and then the one in the wall in the, in the hallway, you know, the big blown up pictures they have of the action shots. I'm just thinking to myself, like, God, I've been walking by these for so long in my life. Like, where's my life gone? <laughs> like, what has happened? I mean, I Good wonder stuff. if they'll, they'll frame some stuff from uh, the clincher against Minnesota. Yeah, they haven't framed anything new in a while. Like, the stuff I mean, they framed. The, the triple play. The triple play. The triple play art project they made. Um, and as far as other stories, they've, they've, they've framed really like odd, kind of odd tribune covers that didn't really, there's like one on there, I think it's by David Ha about when like Reinsdorf and the owner spoke at like some bullshit conference. And it's just like, why is this framed? It's like just to kiss ass to Jerry in case he ever comes in here, which will never happen. Uh, but yeah, they, they should like put Giolito in the. Right. No hitter up there or something like that. Yeah, but, like I mean, something. The rings. We have to talk about the rings. Oh my god, we almost forgot about the rings. How about that? I thought it was just for. Uh, per, I thought it was just for uh, <laughs> for hitting the cycle. I guess it's for anything. Yeah, you know, even though there's no hitters are more common than the cycle. Apparently, Lucas and and James McCann are getting rings. Right. They so were, they were shiny. If you missed it, be jealous. Yeah, seriously. Actually, to be honest, the no hitter rings are nicer than the World Series rings. Wow. If you see, the World Series rings designed by Jerry's wife, not so great. I heard some of the players were not thrilled because <laughs> remember they were like opal, right? They're they're really onyx, big. onyx. I mean, they weren't like shiny though. Yeah, they kind of had like a black. Yeah, it was all black. Like it was kind of it was a weird ring, um, as rings go. Uh, but they uh, so yeah, if people aren't you know confused on what we're talking about. The White Sox gave these Jerry Reinsdorf made special rings for James McCann and Lucas Giolito that say 27 on them. Um, so 
I don't know. What'd you think of him? Is everyone kind of chuckling or, or only me and you get the sense of humor about this? I think it was mostly me and you. Um, but I wish they, they had told us about it so we could have asked McCann about it. Uh, Julio's supposed to have an availability today. It's going to be ring chat for, for an hour. Hope he's ready. Yeah, I wonder if he's confused at why he got a ring for it. I wonder if he's even gotten it yet. Yeah, but that's Jerry. You know, Jerry's an interesting owner. He does really, really nice things like that, which is why people who work for him love him. Um, yeah, it's also part of like his baseball nerdum that he like. Yes, you know, he he knows how rare it is. He knows he he knew offhand like how rare a cycle was, and that's why he got Abreu the ring in the first place. Um, like Abreu probably felt more special about that cycle after the ring than he did uh, before it. So it's, it's worthwhile. Well, right, because I'm sure when you hit the cycle, it's just kind of cycle is such a quirky thing. It doesn't really mean anything. Just mean it's total, just like just luck. Not not really indicative of much. I guess you're hitting the ball pretty well. Uh, I mean, the, the triple he got to end it was very much like, especially given the fact that they're winning the game like ten to nothing against a really bad Giants team. It was very much like no reasonable per like if he had gone for a triple in a in the situation, given where the ball where the ball was, um, <laughs> and it wasn't for a cycle like there, there'd probably be like decent cause to throw at him afterwards because it was just like <laughs> egregious. <laughs> How about that? How about the let's talk about throwing at people. I I think Jimmy Cordero. I, I was wondering if he just threw at Wilson and Jarrett just because they were getting their ass kicked and he was just annoyed. <laughs> I didn't know if he really had any. Do you think he had any real reaction to the bat flip? I mean. He, in the sense that it was Wilson Contreras, I would think. I wouldn't think it was just like I don't know, Hunter Dozier like flipped the bat. I don't know if it would uh, uh, set up as alarm bells, but the fact that they're getting their ass kicked and the fact that Wilson Contreras is already, uh, you know, um, a provocative figure, uh, it's definitely, definitely emotive. Uh, it probably drew their ire a bit more, but also like Jimmy, Jimmy had just get come in the game, so it seemed like something the team must have been talking about for him to come in and do that. Um, well, I mean, Jimmy Cordero has, being in the game is not exactly a special occasion. Well, I'm saying like he, uh, you know, it wasn't like he was in it, the, the bat flip happened in like what the third inning off Dylan Cease and right. I don't, I don't know if Jimmy and Cease are blood brothers or any kind, but it seemed like it must have been some sort of team wide decision rather than uh, you know uh, being uniquely connected to the event. Right, like they thought it would fire them. Maybe some people thought it would fire the team up, which uh, didn't work. Right, and. Han seemed to speak out against it pretty uh, strongly on the radio the next day. So, right, yeah. You it's, made it, your wife. I was gonna say you made your wife listen to Rick Han interview <laughs> on Saturday. We were morning. already on an errand. It wasn't that big of a sacrifice. <laughs> That's all right. So we've talked about the rings. We talked about throwing at people. I think we're pretty much ready for the postseason to begin. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, if nothing else will. We should cherish this last bit of material before baseball goes away for an indefinite period of time again. Right. I don't know. Do you, what's your prediction? Let's do predictions for the series. What 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 do you think happens? Um. Hmm. Like if I think they're going to win, I think I have to go with them sweeping, because I think if it goes to three games, that's bad for them. Um, the pitching matchup doesn't get so good. Um, and I don't well, think gonna I'm start? quite... Who, who, what's the matchup going to be? It's going to be Bassett 1, right? He's a righty. 
I'm not sure if he's lined up for it. I thought I was. I think it at... might be Luzardo is what they're talking about in game one. Oh, and he's a lefty. Would you want to really start right. a lefty first game against them? I don't think they have that many options. I think oh, they kind yeah, of have yeah, to yeah. grin and bear it a little bit. It's kind of yeah. I guess they maybe they just didn't figure the White Sox were to be the ones falling. You know, to face them because they could easily have set their uh, set their rotation. Like they had Montas go. Uh, would they? Would he go two days ago? I think he pitched. If he didn't pitch yesterday, then yeah, two days ago. They I could go Mike Miner or something like that. But they right. haven't said it yet. Hmm. That Mike makes Fires it tough to make a prediction. Always the White Sox trouble. Yeah, it's kind of that's what's kind of weird about making a prediction right now because it's best of three. You know, and especially with a team like the White Sox that has such crazy splits. So you'll, you'll go Sox sweep. I, I feel like I'm not confident enough to go Sox sweep, and because of that, I have to say A's and three. Okay. But I'm going to – I'm close. All right. Uh, I'm going to go A's and two. <laughs> I'm just going to be completely negative. So I'm the um, optimist here. Near the cockeyed optimist. Um, I do know in 08, the lat, which is the last time they made the playoffs, obviously, uh, Przinsky said they were actually very happy that they lasted one game longer than the Cubs. <laughs> he said it was like, that was definitely a thing. I mean, they didn't have, I mean, I'm, I'll be interested to see what they say about it in your story, but like they didn't have Quentin. They really just right. kind of like dragged their way to the finish. It seemed like they were like, we accomplished the most we could have gotten out of this year. They kind of said that. Yeah, I mean, but they, they did fight in that series against the Rays. They didn't lay down. They right. had some leads they lost. But, yeah, they lost Quinton. September. His last game was September 1st when he punched his bat after a foul ball. So Canerico's wrist was, like, floating around in his arm. His knee. He hurt his knee in September. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. If you look at those last two, he, went, he, he was out for a little bit. And he, his last two weeks in September, I think he, he hit 201 but hit, like, six home runs. <laughs> it's yeah, like he very, slugged very 600 and hit, Frank vibes going on. Exactly. He was like on one leg. He had like three injuries that year. So, yeah, they, I mean, they had to win those three in a row to get in. Um, and that was good. You know, they had good pitching. And AJ was even telling me like they had a makeup game. That's why they had to play three in a row. They had a makeup game against the Tigers in between like the Indian series and game yeah. 163. The right. So, yeah, the Tigers won the last, the last game. And Freddie started, Freddie Garcia. And then he got, he was shutting them down. He got a neck injury. And then they, whoever replaced him, they beat up on. So Freddie, Freddie really helped them get in. Wow. What a good dude. I will say, I'm looking back in the prediction post and start of the season. And I said 34 and 26 and talked about how overly optimistic I was. And they, they beat it by a game. What was, what was my prediction? Uh, I don't know. Did you have a prediction post? Oh, maybe not. I thought we did one together. Uh, not this one. All right. Well, I'll do my. I'll find it and we'll talk about it uh, next time, along with my story. Not, uh, not this one with our company issued graphic. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. I guess I don't know if, when we'll do our next podcast. Sometime during this series, after, after it's over, <laughs> after <laughs> two games. So we will see. Um, all right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. Um, on this playoff preview edition where we spent a lot of time talking about uh, no hitter rings and assorted nonsense. Uh, please rate us, like us, share us, whatever you can do um, to keep White Sox business a booming. James, 
I'll talk to you this week as the White Sox embark on a brand new um, adventure making the postseason.